All right, so covering that, wrapping up a little bit of our discussion about um, going into other cultures from yesterday, I still have a have one story that I'd like to talk to you about about uh, Thailand. It's it's about as amazing as the the Chinese characters that, that we did yesterday. Just sing song sit. Yeah, sing sock sit. Stop. Those are my objectives this morning, and to, to wrap it up. And I love y'all. I would not be up here doing this if I didn't. I, I love you, and I see the potential that's in each one of you. And um, I want you to see it. I think God wants you to see it. So that those are my objectives. What I'd like to do is get y'all so enticed in understanding your gift and the gifts of others that you will be on a journey to understand that. And um, so when you look at the gifts, as we talk about them, you'll see um, strengths and weaknesses that come along with those gifts. The weaknesses are there so that we are dependent on others. Every list of the gifts that we look look at is going to have the words the body of Christ. So whenever Paul talks about gifts, he's talking about the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is made up of many parts, and we have to see how we complement and celebrate our differences rather than conflict and fight over our differences. So the goal is for you to, um, to understand some of the strengths and weaknesses and be on, a, be on a forever journey of discovering more about the kingdom of God in your gifts. The kingdom of God is ever expanding. Yeah. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and of its increase there will be no end. Just when we think we've gotten to the ends of the universes, we find another black hole that takes you into a whole nother millions of them. And um, we've, we've actually actually had astrophysicists come here to talk. Uh, Russell, Russell Winston, I believe is his name. But he's the foremost Christian um, um, astrophysicist. And he came to Mississippi State, and I sat in on his seminars. And I, it was so brilliant that I couldn't even ask the question. <laughs> I had one question at the end. Everybody else in the room had PhDs and and uh, graduate degrees. Can you hear? And uh, I had one question for him at the end. And uh, I said, where is heaven? (laughs) And uh, he said, "Um, I believe there's another dimension. And so, which fit right into what the Lord was saying to me. That dimension is all around us. We live in a temporal realm and an eternal realm. And we're point to heaven. Y'all point to heaven. Yeah? I mean, Jesus ascended into the heavens, right? So we can say up, but just because it's way out there, his throne is on is above the heaven of heavens. Just because it's way out there doesn't mean it's not also here. Because the earth is his footstool. So at least, at least his feet are here in the kingdom reign. So his presence is here. So uh, there's a, another dimension of heaven. So the point of that is that it's the kingdom of God is ever expanding. Um, 
of its increase, there will be no end. So mm -hmm. our understanding, even of um, eternal things like gifts, is a, an ever-expanding thing. So you, you're looking for a new revelation in this, and you build on the old revelation. Mm -hmm. my, my ceiling should be your floor. All right? What you got? Um, I was flying with my dad when I was, I think I was around five, mm. uh, flying um, nationally in Norway, and I got to sit next to this pilot um, woman, 40-something, and I asked her, like, why don't they fly all the way up to Jesus? Because <laughs> um, that was my question. My dad was like, where are we going with this, you know? <laughs> and uh, she gave me this brilliant answer. She's like, oh, we don't fight that now. Mm, that's good. And that, I feel like that really... Yeah. Yeah. You hear about the, the little kid that was talking to an atheist uh, uh, astronaut, mm. working with the astronaut system, and and um, the, this, this uh, scientist said... Uh, we've been to the moon, we've been in outer space, we've sent uh, photos from or way beyond what we can see here, and there is no God. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, the, the child said, I understand why you think that. He said, why? He said, uh, only the pure in heart will see God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, do y'all have any comments about yesterday or the day before? Let's take yesterday. Any comments or questions about yesterday? I've given you a little bit of a roadmap for today, so welcome back, Chris. Yeah? Me? Did you, did you have one? I have one, but... Um, do it. Go for it. Um, I think yesterday when we were like talking about the fingerprint of God, I think God was just like highlighting to me that like there's a fingerprint on my soul as well Ooh. that he wants to like show me what it there looks like. So I'm like just so excited to learn. That's about. great. Yeah. And I also feel like the more we mm. learn on like spiritual giftings and identity, like the more I like chisel away at like, I don't know who God wants me to be. And it's so cool. I'm excited. That's really good. Have you seen that video chisel away? Mm. Oh my goodness. That's one of the best videos. Look it up on YouTube, Chisel Away. Right. It's by the, I forget what, what group it is that does it. Uh, you remember Chisel Away? Two guys. Is it the skit guys? Yeah, the skit guys, yeah. Chisel Away, skit guys, look it up. Okay, I'll look it up. I've already done here. All right, any other comments or questions? Yeah? How do you go from the culture shock to becoming outside culturally. You just press through it by the grace of God. You just recognize that when you're in the midst of it, that the end is near. And if you can recognize that you're going to go through it and everybody else that has done this has gone through it. Here's the problem. If you don't press through it and you return home in the midst of culture shock, a very high percentage of missionaries will never go back to the field because they leave with a negative experience. That's the reason it's, you must press through it. 
If you press through it, you can achieve this by going to play Justin person. You might want to get over here so you can see what we're talking about. Uh, I'm good. You good? Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, it's just a comment. Don't tell I me. really, really love what you said about um, you can get God's heart donation. You can get God's heart for your Yes, that's at the very oh, core so of this. Good. Get God's heart for the nations and get God's heart for you. Another way to put it is if you have a heart for the orphans and get God's heart for orphans, you can get God's heart for the orphan right. in you. Yeah, no, that's yeah. so true. I, funny story, I went to Belize on a mission trip once and I like the biggest takeaway from going there is that like, more than I felt like I served you, but like what the Lord did served me well from being there. Mm. Um, and just like seeing like what he was doing in their lives, even just with the children I was with, yeah, was so uh, like filling my soul even more than what we were doing there. Yeah. Um, so yes. I totally understand what you're saying. We got to be a blessing, and then we get blessed yeah. even more than them. Yeah, yeah that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm just still mind blown like just my I've always done like apologetics and stuff mm-hmm. and so I've always heard about like one of my favorite during like in science classes was like the argument that nature itself proves that God is real yeah but then seeing that like oh my goodness languages yes prove that God is real yeah you know? and just like hearing like this idea that there's like a thumbprint of God in everything mm. and I'm like I just want to see the, I just want to see it all like I want to like I was talking to God last night I want to travel and he's like then let's travel let's Aww. like I want to take you to those places huh. so that you can see it and then you can Woo. proclaim it and I was like okay <laughs> that's beautiful wow thank you Lord Yeah, do you know the the movie God's Not Dead? Uh-huh. Yes. So uh, there's that came from a book. Since you mentioned apologetics, shall we go there for just a minute? Mm-hmm. How many of you are interested in apologetics? So the <laughs> uh, the guy that wrote the book, Dr. Rice Brooks, got saved at Mississippi State University when I was in school. We were we were friends there together. And uh, he came to do a God's Not Dead. He came to do a God's Not Dead event out here at Mississippi State. And uh, I happened to be out there because our worship team was leading the, the worship for a massive uh, fraternity sorority um, event out there. And I looked at the back, and there, there was a table, and there's a big banner that said, God's Not Dead. And I went, That's got to be right. That's got to be a crew. And I went back there. And, I said, are y'all connected with Rice? And they went, yeah, I know him. Uh, I remember when he got saved, and uh, they immediately put me on a video and sent it to Rice, and Rice and I reconnected, and he actually came here to this building. And uh, we strategized, and he's invited me into uh, to, to be with their leadership to uh, be a consultant for them when they get their leadership team together. And we're planning, they just went to UC Berkeley and they saw, I don't I think it was around 100 people get saved there. Oh, wow. And um, an and atheist that had interviewed before were saying, I'm, we need to look into Christianity uh, because of their, they do a God's Not Dead event and he has a 
physicist on one side and Dr. Brooks on the other. And, um, and they just, they talk about nothing coming from nothing and um, how it's impossible for that to happen. So uh, that's just a little tidbit of what, what can happen out of Mississippi State University. What can happen out of Starkville? You know, when the Lord drew us back here, I was going, God, really? You want us? We've got 150 people in our team, and we're crashing the gates of hell in Asia. And you want me back here? That's a whole story that I can't tell you about, but it gave me a vision while I was preaching here at the biggest church in Starkville. And um, said, invited us to be back. And after a bit of wrestling with Debbie over it, she came back and said, the Lord wants us back here. Um, because he wanted to do something in this city that was going to affect the region, affect uh, surrounding states, and ultimately the more unreached people will be reached by us coming back here than us being what we were in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I said, Lord, really? Mississippi? We're at the bottom of the list in so many lists. And, uh, and these words came to me, what good things... What good thing can come out of Nazareth? Mm. Mm. Ah. About that, yeah. and 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 basically, it said, I can take the lowest state, and and that's where I don't share my glory. I get all the glory from that. He he mm. he's delighted to move in in a little bit of foolishness. You you've entered into our our heritage and into our destiny. I believe heritage, this ties in with all of this. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to go with the flow here. Yes. Heritage and destiny are connected. If you want to rob somebody of their destiny, cut them off from their heritage. Now, there are things in our heritage and in our history that need to be redeemed. So... We may have had things in our heritage that were not good, but when you redeem a culture, you can redeem a heritage. And so you will find out more about your destiny if you understand better your history. So you have now become a part of our history, and that connects you a little bit with our destiny. The, the crazy radical things that God's wanting to do out of Starkville around the world. I, you, let me just tell you, guess, just, just fathom this. In this little room here, packed out with people, um, our core group that would be here, it's not a big, big fellowship, is it? But there are four YWAM-based leaders that consider this home. Four different directors. Well, Michael McClanahan is one of them. Yeah. Um, Alan Bushel in St. Augustine is another. Um, uh, J.P. Cohern, who is the director of OM Tokyo, is another. He was born and raised here. And then Chelsea uh, and Kelly, there are others. Four different bases have a, have a home out of this little bit of foolishness. Yeah. And then, isn't it amazing? We, we celebrate that, don't yeah. we? Sometimes we don't even know what we're swimming in, do we? Yeah, it's crazy. Just kind of get sort of woken up to it and to understand what you got. Um, uh, 
articulate well, but if it doesn't, I'm sorry. I'm still tired. Um, when you say heritage is connected to destiny, does that mean like? I would like some more clarification on what you mean by heritage. Like, it's like I have people in my life that are part of my heritage because they're like my past and they're just another person in my life for a long time. Yeah. They're like not very good people. Yeah. That like affect my destiny. Yeah. 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 So there are things in our past that need to be redeemed, and some of that may mean that you don't even talk to those people. So don't hear me saying that you necessarily, I mean, we, God's given us a ministry of reconciliation, so that should be a, a part of our uh, openness to the Lord, at least, that some, some things would be made right between us and others. But uh, it, it, one of the things I said yesterday, sometimes people say, that our environment shapes us and makes us who we are. And I would say it's our response to our environment mm -hmm. that shapes us and makes us who we are. And so you can have a response after the experience that redeems that experience because now you see Jesus in the experience. That's, this is the reason we drop people through the roof into the presence of Jesus because he fixes everything. And sometimes he does it and he gives us a holy fog about our mind. Some people would say, <clears throat> if you don't relive your traumas in your past, then you can never be fully whole. Mm -hmm. And I just simply disagree with that. Sometimes reliving the trauma of the past is actually more traumatic than the trauma itself. And so sometimes God puts a holy fog around us when he is ministering to us, just like if you're having a major surgery that puts you to sleep, you don't need to know every cut that that doctor's making. So if the Lord gives you a holy fog in the midst of a ministry time and you're trying to understand it, just do like David did. Say, God, you search me. You know my heart. You see if there's something that needs to be fixed in me, changed in me. See if there's a wicked way in me. But you surrender your scaffold. Sometimes we in our passion want to rip our hearts open and say, oh, where is it? What needs to be fixed? And we're not satisfied at going at God's pace. Mm -hmm. If God fixed everything in us right now, completely, we'd probably be dead. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he's taking it step by step over time, and he is bringing his wholeness into our brokenness. Yeah. Don't you just mean that? By what? Like, we would probably be dead. Yeah, there's so much that needs to be changed. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends said, my son had a head-on crash with Jesus last week, and there's not much left but Jesus. <laughs> so when there's a lot that is not Jesus there, then there's not much at all of who we are. Yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of a, a bit of a joke. But uh, the point is that God is, has us on the process. That's the reason we've got to be careful in discipleship. We give truth and we let people respond. Look at Philippians chapter 3. This is, this is a beautiful passage. Well, I'm not getting to what you're, what you're asking. Formulate another question if, uh, if I'm not. <coughs> Philippians chapter 3. This is what Paul says about himself, verse 
verse 12. Somebody, somebody read that starting verse 312. Mm-hmm. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So, so Paul's in that turn. And here he is writing the New Testament. All right, verse 13. Keep on. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Keep on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so you see the foundation he's laid there. And if you look at the other things that he's talking about, knowing Christ in the first part of chapter 3 and the incredible theological statements of chapter 2, get to this next portion here, and this will give you a clue on how to disciple other people. Look, look what Paul says. He's been trying to teach them something. Read verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Stop. So let those of us who are mature. If you are mature, think this way. Somebody else read it in another translation. Verse 15. What translation is it? ESV. Okay. Do it. Let us therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude. Okay. So if you're perfect, if you're mature... Have this attitude, what he's just been saying. <clears throat> now, read this next portion. You, you go for that one. I go? Yeah. All right. Um, where'd go? And, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will revere that also to you. Yeah. So he says, if you were mature, if you were perfect, then you would have the same attitude. But if you have a different opinion about this and a different direction from it, it's okay. God's going to reveal it to you. How about that? So, too often we play Holy Spirit with other people and we need to say to them and to God, this is your problem, this is your situation, I'm going to speak truth, and if they don't receive it, I'm not going to argue about it. Hardly anybody has been convinced by arguments. Yeah. Now, if people have questions, it can pose as an argument, but some of the greatest seekers present a kind of a hard face, but they're actually truly looking to see if somebody can answer their questions. So when you're fishing, you throw out a little bait of truth. If they bite that bait, then you go for it. If they don't respond the way that you think they should, say, okay, well... I've already sown the seed. I've already dropped a little bit of leaven. And so that leaven will permeate the dough if you don't mess it up. If you don't go digging around in the seed, it will still sprout roots. So that if the goal is to see a person repent, what is it that leads them to repentance? So here's the crass statement. Love the hell out of him. More will be accomplished by loving him than arguing with him. It's what Jesus did. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Why did Zacchaeus climb the tree? For the Lord he wanted to see. For the Lord he wanted to see. I think there's another reason that we missed there. 
He climbed up there so he could see Jesus. He knew he was coming by, but he was a tax collector. So not only did he want to see Jesus, but he didn't want others to see him. Others to be seen? Well, what happened with religious leaders in his day in their relationship with him? Well, usually they were... This is the religious leaders with tax collectors. Wham! Repent! He had a sore head. Jesus was a religious leader. He not only wanted to see Jesus, but he didn't want Jesus to see him. What happened with Zacchaeus? He's in the tree. Jesus is walking by the tree. Here's the video version. Jesus is walking by the tree, and, and Zacchaeus going, Oh, he's actually coming by my tree. Look at this. He's coming under my tree. He's looking up my tree. Oh, and he's holding his head going, I do not want to get hit on the head with that Bible again. I know he's going to say, repent, turn or burn. He knows my name. If he knows my name, he knows everything about me. Slowly comes down the tree, and Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house. How about it, oh, Zachy, buddy? Let's go to your house. And the Bible says that on the road, Jesus did not say repent on that road, but he was loving Zacchaeus, and in the midst of that love and kindness, Zacchaeus was convicted of his sin mm-hmm. and he spoke out what, 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 what was wrong and Jesus said, well, what are we going to do about it? And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re- repay what I've stolen and I've taken illegally. That's the kindness of God leading people to repentance. Mm-hmm. Evidenced by Jesus. And if you, when we talk about gifts, one of the gifts that we're, we'll talk about is a word of knowledge, uh, a word of wisdom. Sometimes God gives us a word of knowledge, just like it happened with Jesus uh, with the rich young ruler. Um, he, he ends up saying, Jesus knew what his heart was. He said, go sell it, give it. He walked away sad. We don't know the end of that story. Jesus led him through in his sadness. What about the prodigal son? Did the father go out and save him? He stood on the porch and looked for him because he saw him from a distance and knew that walk. But sometimes we want to go out and rescue people from the pig pen before they ever come to the end of themselves and say, you see what I'm saying? There, there is the love for the person, but you don't try to make it happen. Mm. Give the tools to God. You can speak out words, but you love the hell out of everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's two kinds of people that you need to be looking for. One is, is the mission field, and the other are your fellow missionaries. Okay? So the mission field, and don't confuse the two. Because you enjoy your entertainment with your missionaries, fellow missionaries. But you go into the mission field with one of those in twos. 
and you don't to go to participate in their evil fun and entertainment. You go to see them redeemed out of that and loved well. When I started street ministry in Fort Worth back in 1981, um, Beautiful Feet, uh, I actually became the chaplain of five different bars. And the first one I went into, uh, I, I, I just, I was by myself actually, ended up having a Bible study at the table. They cleared all the beer bottles off and we just had a great time. And the bartender said, as I left, he said, you come back anytime. I said, you do understand that I'm trying to get people out of their addictions to what you're selling. And he goes, I understand. I said, I don't drink. And since I married Debbie and she's British, I've learned to expand my boundaries a little bit. So in certain situations, I will. Uh, I'm not a teetotaler like I used to be, but I can, I can not drink also if I'm around people that don't. But it's not right ever to be drunk. You never lose control of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I said that to the bartender, and he goes, I'll give you a free Coke. <laughs> and he wanted me to come back in there. Yeah. And so um, I go back in with the gospel. It's the same thing in missions. You go in with the gospel. You don't participate. With, so that I'm answering the don't do first. And then hear the what you do. Don't don't participate in the evil entertainment. You put a wall up for that. Yeah. And then you show them a, a better way. By your life, and your life then becomes salt that makes them thirsty. It becomes and the words you say and the word, the way you live becomes bait that draws them in to seeking mm. Jesus. Um, you you brought up chaplain of being being a chaplain of art and a, a chaplain is a ministry of presence. That's right. And um, and so when you um, you don't participate, but you you're you're there, you're available. Yeah. And um, and so. So like, I, I'm in I'm in prison ministry, and I get invited to events being hosted, and you know uh, I I go sit with inmates, and I'm not I'm not there to to bash them with the gospel per se. Yeah. You know I sit and I play dominoes. Yeah. There you at go. a table or whatever. Yeah. And um, have a conversation with them, find out where they're from, that sort of thing. And I'm um, part of putting on the armor of God is 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 being alert, yeah. right? Yeah, and you, and so you're you're alert to when the conversation shifts well, that's and good, it's open, Chris. right? And yeah. so, and that's really when you're alert, you can actually exercise some of the gifts that we will see in our toolbox. All right, so here, look at First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. We'll talk about repentance. I need to get a good picture of what repentance is because this also helps us in putting the bait out there. We need to know what we're baiting and what we're leading these people to. First Thessalonians what? Chapter 1, verse 9. This is a picture of repentance. 
Somebody read what Paul says about the church of Thessalonica. Yep. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Okay. So this is a good picture of repentance. When Paul went to Thessalonica, there was a response that ended up with the church there. And they encouraged Paul greatly when he got to Corinth. There was a bunch of Jews that persecuted him in Thessalonica, so he had to leave. But they chased him to Athens and chased him to Corinth too. And and Paul is writing a letter back to the Thessalonians and uh, and uh, the church of Thessalonica. And this perhaps is the first book in the New Testament. Some would argue that James is, but I think it's the first book in the New Testament. And uh, and then all the other uh, apostles wanted to write the gospel content, and they did that in their other letters. But here, here's what Paul says. <clears throat> he was aware of their reception of the gospel, and here, here it is. It's in progress right there. They'll keep the, get the order right. <clears throat> How they, first of all, turned to God. So repentance is a turning, but it's a turning to God. Often we say, repent of your sins. That is important. But turning to God needs to be the first because you can't turn from sin until you turn to God. When you turn to God, you come as you are and you, you surrender everything. And then he goes, well, here's the things you need to give up. So get this picture. The cross is behind me. We're born walking away from it. Mm-hmm. So turning to God is this. You do an about face to God to receive the free gift of salvation. Yeah. So it's by grace that you're saved, not of your works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift of God given to you. Mm-hmm. And it's received in faith. So faith or faith and believing is the picture is open hands before God receiving. <clears throat> so get this in order. Turn to God to receive that gift of salvation. In turning to him, now you can turn away from your idols, away from your sins. If we get this backwards, people have tried to correct their behavior. And it's just like them saying, I need to hose off before I go in and take a shower. Mm-hmm. Right? I need to be clean to take a shower. No. You go in and take a shower to get clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is the shower. Mm-hmm. He washes this from you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just forgive your sin. Turning to God is a being born again. Born again into what? Kingdom. The kingdom. Look mm-hmm. at John chapter 3 and you'll see it. Nicodemus, Jesus said, you, he said, I perceive you're a teacher sent from God. And he goes, How, you can't understand what it means in the heavenly realm until you're born of that. Yeah. He said, you've got to be born again to experience the kingdom. He actually uses the word kingdom. Mm-hmm. So you're born again into the kingdom. So you go from death to life. And now with that grace, you can turn away from your sin. And your idols. It's in your heart because your heart is surrender here. But when you surrender, now you've got the ability to let go of all of that. It's dead to you. 
And God continues to show you the things you lay down. You turn to God from idols now to serve the living and true God. Now that, that's a continued sanctification in discipleship and being on mission for what he's called you to do. Now read the last part of that. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.9. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Okay, so don't miss that point. Because in the serving the living true God, we are having a wrath that's unleashed on the earth. I don't think things are going to get better here. So it is important for you to recognize that you're saved into a hope of his return. The hope of his coming again. Because in the midst in the midst of serving him, you may have to lay down your life. Yeah. Literally. Mm-hmm. And he will give the grace to you to do that just as Stephen did. Right? So turn to God from idols and serve the living true God waiting for his return in the wrath that that is coming. How would you identify idols? Anything anything that you have here's a few statements I'd say about that. Anything you have to check with before you say yes to God. So an idol could be a person. It could be an organization. It could be your own appetite. Would you say that your own idea of how a ministry should go to get in the way of what God thinks of it? Absolutely. (laughs) That is so good. And I know you know the answer to that already. But let's flesh that out a little bit. Because, um, and this is the difference between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. You can have a vision to do something that is God-given, but when you obey before you surrender, then you might be doing that in the flesh and not be uh, listening to the Lord on a constant basis. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father saying, only do what I see the Father doing. So it's a daily surrender and a daily dependence. If you ever take the vision on your shoulders, you probably are going to get very weary and heavy laden. Let that be an alarm to you. If you're weary and heavy laden, go, God, this is not my problem. This is yours. You know what you're doing. You've got this. I don't. So I surrender afresh to you, and I surrender the situation to you. Now, Now you get his direction, and you also get his strength to be able to carry that out. That's a little bit of fleshing out what you already, you already know that. You knew the answer to it, but that's a little bit more fleshing out in conjunction with what we're talking about right now. Y'all are good question askers. You are good interactive people. This is the way it should be. This is the journey. It's bringing the journey in the room. It's not about you coming here, sit down, and listen to me talk. It's about us fleshing out where we are. That's the way, that's Jesus' discipleship.